Welcome back to another another great edition of At the Buzzer with me, your continued co-host Jack Barsh, and him over there, your other continued co-host Sam Mativier. Welcome Hello. back, Sam. Yeah, thanks. Sorry, I haven't been recording lately. No, it's fine. We we dropped the interview episode. We got some great feedback about the interview episode, and yeah. uh, then we took it to heart and cried and um, didn't record last week at a protest. And now we're back. <laughs> and um, boy, howdy. Uh, you keeps losing, huh? Yeah, I took off the day last Saturday. Wonderful decision to not have to watch the team. Very smart. Very yeah. smart. How did you enjoy your lovely night? Oh boy, well, I was sick, still feeling the effects of that one. So I was uh, in bed and I, uh, I got to watch that, which put me right to sleep, really. I mean, <laughs> it worked out in, in that way. Did I enjoy my time watching the team? No. But did my, I watch the team? Yeah, I did watch it. My favorite thing about the game was that people thought CU might win. Hey man, I was uh, I wasn't expecting miracles, but I was thinking you know it's wet, it's sloppy. Maybe if they run the ball well enough and they keep Washington State off the field, something good could happen. And um, it was wet, it was sloppy, and CU did run the ball well enough, but they did not keep Washington State off the field because <sighs> there's this pesky little habit Stephen Montez has picked up the past two weeks of throwing it to the other team. Mm, love that. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird galaxy brain strategy that I don't know the benefits to right now. <laughs> uh, is he seeing ghosts? Oh, it's the Sam Donald reference? Oh, yeah. I was just researching the USC rivalry, and it's yeah. a little in my head. Because uh, Montez threw uh, two pick sixes to the same guy both times before halftime against USC two years in a row. Did he really? Yeah, to Ajin Harris. Oh boy. So uh, it'll be fun. <laughs> we both sound so excited about it. Um, before we jump ahead, let's jump back a little bit, talk a little more about uh, the great game that was Washington State. And for one, we can also go two weeks back to the Oregon game. We really, really want to. Uh, I don't uh, do we? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, so. Brian Howell was throwing out some fun stats is I think CU is averaging something like maybe 10 points a game in games that it rains in the past several years. Is that true? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I should, I should have pulled up the stat, but the past like six games or something, it's been like Washington state, Washington state, and then Washington state again in Oregon and then Washington at home. And then Utah <laughs> last year. And it's just plays a huge part of it right there. What? That plays a huge part of it right there is the teams are playing when it's raining. Yeah, those are definitely good teams. But it's just depressing that CU cannot score whatsoever in any sort of conditions. And you would think of the Pac-12, Colorado, it's snow right now. <laughs> it is snowy outside right now. We should, we should be used to these things. I wonder if the, the, the Champion Center has any role in this. And that moving indoor facilities means they no, don't know I how think, to play in the weather. I think the fact that we were bad for a long time has the biggest role in it. <laughs> I think that's probably the biggest part to play. Well, no, no, no. These have all these games are all post like since 2017. 
Hmm. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. Like, uh, maybe not one of the Washington states, but otherwise, yes. Yeah. I, uh, just to get into it more, um, the Washington state game, it, I mean, CU was doing a good job of moving the ball on the ground and between the twenties, I think all night, really, um, the first drive showed that, that they could run on Washington state and they were hitting a lot of intermediate passes. And then, um, it's like Jay Johnson put on a blindfold once we got closer to the 20, uh, in the, inside the red zone and then was just throwing darts at a play chart. And that's where we ran. And it, it, it didn't work out as well as the actual calling place did. I'll say that. Yeah, um, I, I didn't watch the game, so I, I'm obviously not <laughs> qualified, but I saw a lot of Twitter clamor of just talking about how terrible the red zone offense was. So that was that? Well, yeah, and well, the other thing is, I guess it looked worse because Montez had another bad game this week. That's two in a row, um, which is always – always hurts a play calling if your quarterback can't hit the the throws he's asked to hit in the offense then um that's gonna do pretty big disservice to the plays you're calling but also at a certain point you need to realize that in the red zone Stephen Montez isn't gonna hit anyone with enough accuracy and consistency to do anything um so you have a running back that was destroying Washington State all night I believe Alex Fondo ended the night with about a seven yard per carry average. Let me look up his his actual stats. But he ended the night on a great um, like volume and efficiency um, tear. Nine point five yards per carry. Nine point five yards per carry last on eleven week. attempts. And they were good. I mean, there weren't like it wasn't like he had one huge attempt, and that's why he has that ridiculous yards per carry. It was just he was consistently carving them up and he only got 11 carries at a certain point. You need to feed someone who's getting 10 yards of play more than 11 times. You just have to. Yeah. He's, <sighs> he's on pace for about a thousand yards. He's only scored one touchdown since Colorado state. He scored three, which that would be the three. If he's on pace for a thousand yards, that'd be the third straight, a thousand yard rusher, third straight, different, a thousand yard rusher too. Yeah. And his goal before the season, I talked to him, he said it was to get to a thousand. Yeah, that, apparently that's just – Darian Hagan has something in his teaching, in his coaching where that's that's just like the mark that everyone hits. Ugh, love Darian Hagan. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you would like them to feed Fontenot more. Well, in that game especially, it was wet. Steven Montez continued his Oregon play of it, – it's just – it was it was completely he was bad against He was bad against Arizona too. Yes. Well – well, he was like he was up and down against Arizona, is what yeah, I would say. Yeah, his second half was more down until the fourth. I mean, fourth quarter he turned it on. Okay, yeah, whatever. Uh, but yeah, hit. so anyways, he yeah he's he's a fifth year senior, and I feel like the same problems have been here for five years, um, and it's just frustrating because like all in all, he isn't above average. Like he is a good college quarterback all in all but um i don't know i understand fans frustrations because it can be hard to watch the same player have the same problems for four years yeah and then we saw or you guys saw i didn't see uh his backups come in 
And uh, that yes. kind of nipped the bud of uh, let's get these guys in. Let's bench Montez. That crowd <laughs> quieted quite easily because Lytle went through one pass, got injured. Blake Stenstrom came in through one pass, got picked, and then through two other incompletions. Yeah. Right away. Like, ugh. Katie Nixon, one for one, 38 <laughs> yards, one touchdown. It's, my guy. it's time to talk about it. Let's pull on my shock shock voices. Is Katie Nixon the starting quarterback for the Colorado Buffaloes? Please, the spread option with him at quarterback would be so fun. And LaVisca as a running back quarterback option behind him. Oh my Have a double wildcat. That's and all then, we do. I'm sure you want to see more Deion Smith. I do. I love Deion Smith. And he came in late too, but he was also – it was a similar thing to the backup quarterbacks where they just asked him to run – straight out the middle right into the center's ass like five straight times you know <laughs> you're not learning a lot there um okay so so i have a question um i don't think we're gonna make a bowl game i don't really know it doesn't matter that's a good guess um <laughs> you'd have to beat ucla and stanford and then usc yep to do it i don't think we're gonna beat or one of washington or utah which is not gonna happen um so what do, what do you what do you want the rest of the season? Like, what can we look forward to? We're trying to be optimistic. We're trying not to be like Good the question. cynical, upset fans. Well, to answer that question, I guess we'll have to talk about something else that happened uh, in the aftermath of the Washington State game. Okay. Basically, it's, it's the point of the season where a lot of programs are now dealing with this. But um, Aaron Maddox had played four games, and – Darian Jones had played four games, and both of them decided to enter their names, enter their names into the transfer portal. Um, what that means is Aaron Maddox, starter at safety, uh, is not going to play the rest of the year, and he's probably going to leave CU, uh, which is frustrating because that is a te- that is a position that has no depth currently with him added. Um, so it, now that he's gone, it's even more of a graveyard. So now it's um, Mikhail Onu and Darian Rakestraw, and behind him is like what fucking Sam Neuer, Isaiah Lewis, Sam Neuer, Mark Perry. Well, Mark Perry hasn't really been playing, has he? Has he? Yes, he, he has been playing. He I'm played sure. a lot against Washington. State. I am not. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, this is why. Well, uh, you say that you don't know, but you also, you know, he also hasn't done anything uh, to to show you that he's been playing, which is good and bad. Yeah, and he's, uh, again, if you're not familiar, he's like the, the <laughs> highly recruited safety who we have very high expectations of. He's a true, I mean, he's a true freshman, and he, he, looks, he looks the part, which is good, but he's also, you know, he's learning on the job, which mm-hmm. is a reason that he's been forced into action rather than him forcing himself into action, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, so after the uh, Washington State game, those two entered the transfer portal as well, and and – Jacob Callier, a uh, hero against Nebraska in 2018. Don't do this. <laughs> uh, Jacob Callier, who has played spot snaps all year, and he played all spot snaps all last year, um, also is off the team. So a rapidly depleting defense that was already depleted um, is, is losing bodies again and again. I'm looking at the tackles leaders, and who the hell is Lloyd Murray? Oh, my boy Lloyd? He, uh, he, no, that's a – he's another true freshman defensive tackle. Okay. He's about 20 pounds overweight, which is what you want. You want to be overweight more than underweight. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I'm looking at the, the defense, and I'm trying to find bright spots. Okay. 
Um, so Terrence Lang, he was pretty good yep. against Washington State. He's been pretty good as a pass rusher all yeah. year. He's what, a sophomore? Yes. Retro sophomore? Retro sophomore. Okay. Uh, Nate Landman has 74 tackles this year. Second place has 41. <laughs> yes. Um, he is good at some things. In tackling, yes. he is very good at okay. it. And then, so behind him, we're seeing more of Josh Allen, hopefully. As Maybe. The I, he has not seen the field as much as we'd like him to. I mean, basically, to put a pin in the, the Washington State week is what I'll call it. What's going to happen moving forward is a lot of new faces are going to see the field on defense. Um, they're yeah. going to burn red shirts that shouldn't necessarily be burned, in my opinion, at least. So, that is good experience, but um, we'll see a lot of young talent on the field. This like is like break. a... This is like in uh, 2013 or so when uh, Tezer Thompson, Cheetah Bay Woozy were playing as freshmen, Kenneth Allability. They were all learning on the fly, giving up 50 points a game, but they were getting experience. And hopefully, I guess, we can have that. If it's going to be a disaster anyway, you may as well have some people learn. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's a good optimistic thing to take. But the problem I have with that is I don't – this program should be past the 2013 level by now, right? Oh, I mean, yes, we should be. Are we? I don't know. No, the defensive talent, uh, Brian Howell also put out, Brian Howell once again, shout out. Great, great uh, diligent reporter for CU. He's the beat writer. Yeah. Um, He's going to have these scoops. <laughs> he, uh, he put out a tweet that showed the, the attrition since Mel Tucker took over. Mm. Um, and I believe this was before Jacob Kelly was even confirmed off the team, but I believe it was it was 14 players that have left before the eligibility ended. Um, and of those 14, I think 13 were on defense. Yeah. Um, and that's going to hurt any depth chart. And CU is already thin on the defensive side. So we are seeing a lot of freshmen, a lot of JUCO transfers play heavy minutes, heavy snaps where – Previously, there should be high school players in those in those um, positions, which is exciting because we don't know what they can do. We don't know, um, you know what what they're capable of. But it's also terrifying because we do know that there's a reason they weren't starting. Yes, and yeah, yeah. So okay, so Alex Tachingam, what about him? Uh. He's still playing. I don't know. He, he is still playing. I think okay. he's fine. I think uh, Mustafa coming back last week was a pretty big boon. Um, and now as he plays himself back into game shape, that should help CU because he was far and away the best defender on this on this team. Okay. Um, so, I, don't yeah, know, sorry. I don't know about far and away. Onu's up there. Onu's up there. Um, but... Him coming back should help people like Changum or Carson Wells. Um, Both of whom are outside linebackers, pass yes. rushers. So, so having Mustafa suck up a lot of attention should help them get a little more free space to the quarterback. Okay, so I'll use KJ Trujillo as a lead into USC. He's the, the true freshman cornerback. Who has started the past two weeks and done a honestly okay job. Yeah. Um, otherwise, other than him, CU has basically nothing at cornerback. They have Derek Abrams is is still there. He's a loyal yes, yes. loyal soldier. Um, but behind them is Tariq Luckett, another true freshman. Um, Uriah Hudson, a walk on. 
and I think that's I think that's the list. Yeah, other than like Levante Chenault burning his red shirt, pulling and, a Jason and switching Espinosa. over, yeah, and switching over to to the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, there's not. I really don't know what's yeah, going on with the forward, defensive back. Oh no, people are learning. People are learning on the job moving forward. Is basically yeah. where we're at. And so this brings us to USC, which is the worst time for this <laughs> to happen because USC has some absolute freak receivers. Yes, they have uh, Michael Pittman, who is arguably the most productive receiver in the Pac-12, depending how you feel about Isaiah Hodgins at Oregon State. But he's 6'4", 220, just a monster. He's son of, I think son of Michael Pittman, who played in the NFL for years, I think. Okay. Um, and then there's uh, Tyler Vons, who is like a five-star recruit, whatever. <laughs> he's so good. He also so a, good. Also a freak receiver, just massive, very athletic. And he's, then there's... Uh, He's a different yeah. type of massive. Michael Pittman will yeah. bully you. Tyler Vaughn's is tall and fast and skinny. And yeah. so he'll, he'll get those jump balls. He won't bully you the same way, but he'll get those jump balls and he'll run circles around you. And then uh, there's Amran Ross St. Brown, brother of Equinemia St. Brown. And yeah. Osiris St. Brown. Oh, yeah. And then who is his dad? He was in the NFL, too. Oh, I, it's okay. he's, he's some trainer in LA. But, uh, yeah, they're just – that whole family – Absurd athletes. Mm-hmm. He was a top 10 recruit or whatever. And yeah, he's their third receiver. And CU doesn't have a third cornerback. So no. what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a good transition. Looking ahead, uh, this defense is hanging on by a, a thread. And frankly, looking for more positive than Washington State game, they were better than the offense in the second half. They were doing their job for the most part. They got multiple stops which is insane to think about. I don't know how that happened. They UCLA got some stops against Washington State, so I don't know. <laughs> well, those are also fumbles. Never mind. We don't have to talk about that weird game. I, they, they were, honestly, for the, the skeleton crew that's over there, they're doing their job that I expect. CU just needs to score on almost every possession for them to have a shot at anything. And they won't. And they won't. And and settling for field goals that you miss is also a very bad uh, plan of attack. It's, man, it's, last week was just so frustrating to watch on the offensive side of the ball because they move like butter and then they just shut down in the 20s. Mm. I, uh, against USC, I don't think they'll move as easily in the 20s. The, the defense hasn't been, you know, crazy. It hasn't been shut down, but they have, as always, they have athletes and they have moments where they completely take away the other team's strength, um, which I guess in our case would be probably our outside weapons. Um, so look for Tony Brown to get blanketed and Levis going to get some, to get some nice attention. And after that, they're going to rely on Steven Montes to make progressions and reads with the read basically read the field and make the right decision, which for the past two weeks, I don't know if he's been able to do that consistently. Mm, yeah. I, I don't have very high hopes. I want to have higher hopes, but I, I don't know. I don't know where to find any optimism right now. Well, I mean, looking at USC, they're almost as beat up as we are. Um, 
So they've been having starters on defense circle, cycle in and out of the lineup for um, like the past since the BYU game. Um, and they uh, lost three running backs, I believe, last week. They lost Marquis Stepp, Stephen Carr, and whoever the fourth string was. I think one or two of them is coming back, but they're still hobbling back there. What about the big Samoan guy? Uh, he was already hurt. So, yeah, they are um, – that is like – that position has been hit hard on their side. Um, I believe they'll have some bodies available. I just don't think they'll be um, 100%, which is – makes it easier on CU. Um, their wide receivers are still alive. They're still good to go. Still averaging 12 yards per catch. Yep. Ugh. I'm just yep. looking at their stats right now and ugh. <laughs> yeah I mean they are they have a good offensive line good-ish offensive line they have a pretty disruptive front seven John Houston is still there somehow he's insane. he's also good he's a really good pass rusher um, but they are losing I mean their, their secondary was always going to be the weak point this year and it still is um, which is good for us because Tony Brown can, can make anyone look foolish at times um, as is Cam LaVisca. But as a whole, the team is just always more talented and they are right now just more solid than CU is. Yeah. And uh, they're going to be starting freshman quarterback, Keaton Slovis. Yep. Who Slovis. he's been erratic to say the least. <laughs> But if you're erratic and you can just lob it up, it's okay because those guys will make plays. Right. His job is, especially against CU, will be easy because he can just tell them to run 30 yards downfield and he'll just play 500 and they'll come down every single time with the ball. They are large receivers that are very good at doing that specific thing. I mean, the one thing, the other thing that CU has going for them is Clay Helton is still the coach. <laughs> uh, at Southern California. <clears throat> and he is never enough to inspire fear, I guess, in, into the other team. Okay. I, but I don't know how he has his job. I don't know. He's not going to keep it. Um, that'd be really funny, though, if CU did upset them and it turned into his firing. Another tarmac? Another tarmac firing for USC? Oh, at DIA? Imagine that. <laughs> it's better than, I believe, Lane Kiffin was left at. Oh boy, where do they leave Lane Kiffin at? I think it was the Pullman Airport. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it was one of them. I it was that one would be worse. Um Okay, so <laughs> just a small sidestep. I'm looking at the Arizona versus USC game last week. And okay. did, did did Khalil take it injured? Um Branganel played. I don't know if he was injured or he got pulled. What the fuck? Why can't <laughs> why can't this happen, you mean, before they play CU? Or why does Cool Tate return from injury just to torch CU and then go back to being injured? Yes, like what is this? That's not USC. We are was, Khalil Tate's muse, Sam. We, we are the the art the uh, impulse he needs to create his quarterback artistry. He sees the buffalo on the helmets and, and something in his brain just clicks and he torches. C or USC was winning 
Yes, they were. With Grant Gunnell at quarterback. I am fuming. This is this is horrific. I am so mad. So CU and USC are both coming out of short weeks. Khalil uh, Tate had negative 27 rushing yards. Is that true? Yes. Oh, boy. I am so... Oh, boy. Oh, my God. USC had a shitload of sacks, though. They had, like, nine sacks. I do like hearing you get mad in real time while we're recording a podcast. Uh, okay. What are oh, we- man. So both teams are coming out for short weeks. Um, there's some very interesting stats for the past eight years of the Pac-12 about um, uh, road teams coming on, on the Friday games, Friday road, road teams. I believe they're over um, when they're visiting. I, I think that's what it is. And I think mm. the home teams, I, I think CU is undefeated as a Friday home team. Ever? Which goes in our favorites. Uh, I don't know about ever. I think in the Pac-12 at least. In the Pac-12. Really? They are not over. Okay, I pulled this up. Yeah, so. Yeah, I don't, uh, I, I'm I distinctly remember them losing to USC at home. USC is over as a Friday road team, and CU is one and zero as a Friday home team. Hmm. Maybe so games. that's very small sample size. But in general, Friday road teams do not do well uh, in the Pac-12, and that's I mean that's part of the the Pac-12 after dark um, brand, right? Mm-hmm. But it. <sighs> I guess this would be the time for an upset to happen because it's a short week because they have to travel into the snow, which is hard for a Southern California team. <laughs> and because frankly, I would assume they're looking past us. Uh, we are, I mean, their schedule gets easier, but right after us is Oregon. So mm-hmm. there's a, Good chance that they are looking past us, which frankly, who can blame them, especially after the past two weeks, which could work in our favor. Uh, I am seeing nothing, though, that makes me think that C will cover the, what is it now, 14-point spread? Yeah, I, our editor made a foolish mistake. I'm not going to say what, but yeah. Uh, yeah, well, his, his foolish mistake, once again, was being a fan of the Colorado Buffaloes. Everything after that. He's just, not, though. Oh, He's an Oklahoma fan. <laughs> We're the ones who are cursed. I guess that's true. He just has the – he has the objective ability to not do these these mistakes he's making, but he doesn't. He still makes these mistakes. <laughs> and in a way, that makes him even worse than us. It does because we're, we're fans. Right. Who can blame us for being irrational? <laughs> uh, <sighs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of anything that – looking at both these teams, anything that CU can glob onto to say – do this, see you will win. Or this is the game plan. Honestly, just hope Keaton Slovis has a terrible game. I think, I honestly, I think you're right. I think what they have to do is try to confuse him as much as possible, but they, there's no personnel back there. So I, if Onu has his, has another great game, maybe, if Onu causes like another two picks and a fumble. And Steven Montes has to be fantastic. <coughs> they have to score every possession. I mean, he definitely has to be more on point than he, he is. I hope they go back to leaning on the run game more, but he definitely has to make harder throws than he has been making. Mm-hmm. 
and more consistently. I, I will say there was a oh, he had a beautiful deep ball of Visca in the end zone against Washington State. Um, that 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 Laviska either slowed down or they, they were a little bit off. <clears throat> so I hit his fingertips, fell out, and that drive ended in zero points. I think that kind of that was one of the tipping points um, because after that there was a bunch of interceptions, blah blah blah. But that would have, I believe, either tied us up or put us down three um, in the first quarter, second quarter. And that's been happening a lot with Steven this year, especially with Laviska. Is just like a little bit off on those deep balls when he throws them beautifully, and then Arius drops it because he's looking back at the sun against Arizona or. Um, <laughs> Tony Brown against Nebraska drops it in the first half. Made up for that it. That one was it was a really well defense play. The Brown yeah. drop, but yes. Or Lavisca is one half step behind the ball and, and the ball can't he can't quite pull it in. Uh, just little things like one, that. That's been that the one so against Oregon. That was against Washington State. Oh well, there was one with Oregon where it was <laughs> underthrown. Lavisca turned around, was interfered with, then kicked the ball up in the air and it got picked off. Yeah, Love that. I mean. It's they're almost there, and they were there last year. I think that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I think if they connect on that, which I am not betting on, and Keaton Slovis does the opposite of connecting on deep balls, then CU has has a, has a chance. It, it's all it's all about the quarterbacks this week. What's your prediction? I'm going to say CU scores a max of 17 points. <laughs> I'm going to say USC scores a minimum of 30 points. Okay, I'm going... That's where we're at. USC is going to be over 35. CU will be around 20. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll hit 20. Yeah, we'll see. Um... Okay, I don't want to talk about football anymore. I don't want to think about <laughs> football anymore. And I'm going to regret being at the game tomorrow. So, a tradition about, as old as time. Let's talk is about it November yet. Let's talk about basketball. Okay. Just receiving votes. Receiving, receiving votes. votes. Number 27, baby. Yeah. We should have been top 25. I don't know how Arizona gets in the top 25 over us. Uh, Cache is the name Cache. Yeah, I know. Voters are lazy. We know this. Polls are meaningless. We definitely know this. CU is almost ranked this year. That's how meaningless they are. Um, well, more importantly to us, they are ranked by people that we like. Yes. Seth Davis so, has them ranked. The Athletic yes. has them ranked. Mm. That is Seth Davis. He has the Athletic. Um, yes, all the media, all the smart media people have CU top 25, have them as one of one of two main contenders for the Pac-12. I'm hyped. They have their first game on Saturday. It's an exhibition against Panoma Pitzer, which is notable because that's where Tad Boyle's son, Jack, plays. Jack Boyle. And as we know, because it's Tad Boyle, he will probably put McKinley right out of boxing one against his son <laughs> and just force him to get his, his cookies taken every single possession. And then he's going to run up the score by 70. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, please. I I'm every, gonna be <laughs> every offensive possession is just gonna be him doing pick and rolls until Tyler Bay is posting up against Jack Boyle and then trying to dunk on him. <laughs> oh God, please! Um, I remember when Jack Boyle was like a ball boy, which makes me feel old. 
a Bob Oil, you could say. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> so oh, I am excited to see who is going to be in the starting lineup because I have no idea. Um, you have yes, McKinley Wright. Yes, I well, yeah, I know three <laughs> of the five starters for sure. Um, McKinley Wright's going to start. Deshaun Schwartz is going to start. Tyler Bay. And then probably Shane Gatling at shooting guard. And then at center, I don't know if it's going to be Evan Batty or if it's going to be Dallas Walton. And I don't know if it's going to change depending on the game. Yeah, I would say uh, shooting guard and center are the most the, the most up for grabs. I think the other three are locked in. Um, I think Kenley starts no matter what. I think Bay starts no matter what. I think Deshaun Schwartz starts no matter what. <clears throat> I think past that, you got to look to see how Walton feels that week, honestly. Like if, if Walton's knee has been shaky, then there's no yeah. way he starts. And he could be one of those, like he's going to be like a bench player until he's back into action like he like plays himself back into it like Evan Batty did last year after missing two years uh, right. previous yeah um I also think that there's no there's no shooting guard has separated themselves from the pack I don't think it's a bad thing that um Koontz or Gatling hasn't taken the reins I think both of them add different things and I don't think Either of them are bad. I just don't think either of them are that much of an upgrade on the other. Yeah, and I think with right now, I think the fit just dictates that Gatling is just better with the starters just because he's going to be a lower usage. He's a shooter. He's going to be spotting up. He is a shooter. Yeah. Um, Maybe not a good shooter, but he's a shooter. And uh, more of a driver. Yeah, um, Koontz which... is a slasher with secondary ball handling. I guess they both have ball handling, but... Well, kind uh, of, yeah. I, I would I would trust Coons to play backup point guard more than I would trust Gatling. Yeah, okay, fair. Um, so, yeah, I just like – I like Coons better as, like, a sixth or seventh man. You are a Coons uh, fanboy. You love yes. – you like his whole vibe, I guess. <laughs> I like his game a lot. I love lefty slashers, especially with defensive instincts like him. Yeah, you and Tab Boyle both love the lefty slashers. Ugh, yes. Well, Mount I think is, he's fun. I just don't think – I don't know if he's a top seven player on the team. Do you think he is? Who's better, Seawert? I'm not putting Seawert mm-hmm. over him. Well, you know I love Seawert, but no. <laughs> I was thinking – I mean, well, let's just, let's just run through him real quick for our listeners. Okay. You're doing a wonderful series <clears throat> on the website, ralphreport.com. Shameless plug, shameless plug. Uh, that <laughs> is going over the most important Colorado Buffaloes leading up to basketball season. Um, mm-hmm. And let's run through who you've done so far, backwards to forwards. Backwards okay. To forward. Uh, okay, so number 10 was Eli Parquet, the sophomore wing. Mm-hmm. He's pretty raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he. it's probably going to be a nine-man rotation. Um, and then Maddox Daniels is at number nine. He's like a shooter. He's a tall shooter who we hope is good. We don't really know anything, though. Right. Uh, number eight I had was Lucas Seward because I think he'll be the fourth big man on the team. Uh, I think he's probably eight or – yeah, I think he's eight or seven. Okay. And then seven for me was Dallas Walton because he'll be like a situational type player who could be – I don't know. He could pop out defensively. Yeah, um, I might put him higher. I don't know. Yeah, so, I was considering putting him higher too, but I 
I figure that he's probably going to be topped out at 20 minutes a game, and there's not much room for him to go up. So I not suppose. to spoil your, the rest of your articles. Oh, um, I already spoiled it. I put it at the bottom of the articles. Oh, okay, cool. Um, Let's go. So six for you. So tomorrow, yeah, I have to write about Dalen Coons. Have to or get to? Uh, well, I have to write like two or three articles every morning because you guys don't do anything. Okay. Okay. I'm starting to feel like you just come on this podcast to yell at us about, <laughs> about how, about our work habits. I used to write like feature pieces and like analysis pieces. And now I don't have any time for those. Okay. So I'm a little bitter. No one is stopping you from splitting, splitting, uh, your meager earnings with other people. No, I've asked so many times. (laughs) I even got it approved as an internship. Shameless plug. There's an internship. You can get college credit at CU if you join our staff. But you have to listen to this podcast at least 50 times a week. You have to. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So number six, David Coons. Yeah. And then five is Shane Gatling. Four is Evan Batty. Three is Deshaun Schwartz. I might switch Batty and Schwartz. Okay. Tyler Bay at number two, and then McKinley Wright number one. Hmm. Well, I don't think anyone can argue with you one and two. Yeah. Um. I do think that you have perhaps underrated, I guess, uh, or overrated Shane Gatling. I would say because. Maddox and Shane and Gat, uh, and Coons can all play that pretty well. I don't know if any of them can be that important. Does that make sense? Like they can have the, – their floor is pretty set because if they're bad, they're just not going to play. Yeah. So by, so by importance, them being bad doesn't matter. Them being good would be nice, but I don't know if it's necessary. This is why I also had Seward low on the list because if he's bad, he's just not going to play. And that's great. Right. This is so okay. good because right. he's so streaky. Okay. I don't think it's good. No. Okay. We've talked too much about Seward. We don't talk about him on the podcast, but every time we're together, we talk about Seward, <laughs> which is terrible. Why are we talking about him? Because he's worth talking about. Um, I might drop – like, who would you have at five then if it's not Gatling? By the way, the scholarship players that you did not mention, Alexander Striding. Okay. Partially because we know exactly what we're going to get from him. Yeah, I called him multiple times the most trusted 11th man in the country. <laughs> Which is oh, true. man. Uh, Keyshawn Bartholomew, who's not going to play this year. He's going to redshirt. Yeah, he's Very a exciting freshman guard. Yeah, top 100 recruit. Fantastic player. Um, and who's the last one? Jakob Dombeck. Thank you. Yes. He's not really going to play. Who is a stick. He is a, what, maybe, maybe he weighs 100 pounds, maybe, and he's <laughs> six foot 11. <laughs> yeah, he's lots of arms, lots of flailing. He's weirdly, violently athletic. Kind of interesting. He, he is. He, he has some really nice dunks at that scrimmage before the Arizona game. He has a nice shot. I didn't, I didn't see him miss a jumper at the scrimmage. I, I still don't know exactly what to make of his game. But those, so those are the three scholarships. Andre players. Kirilenko. <laughs> no, because Andre Kirilenko played defense. Well, Tom Beck's learning. Um, <laughs> you know who he is. This is going to be, once again, as we say, come for the Colorado Buffalo, stay for our mid-2000s mediocre NBA player. Jared he Jeffries. Is, 
No, Jan Wesley. No, no. You mean, if you remember Jan Wesley. Yes, I remember Jan Wesley, the sixth pick to the Washington Wizards. Yes, you do. And that's exactly who he is. Uh-uh. Yes, it is. Wesley was slow and tall and couldn't hit a single shot. Well, I don't think he was ever slow. He was really good in transition. Okay. I didn't watch the Wizards at that time. I don't want to talk about Jan Vesely. <laughs> Jared Jeffers also, is a better comp. Jan Vesely, the most awkward uh, draft kiss of all time. Oh. Tried to, I think he tried to full on make out with his girlfriend when he got picked. <laughs> it was <laughs> hilarious. I need to revisit Jan Vesely. Um, by the way, while we're on the subject of European basketball, <laughs> Corey Higgins is like one of the very best players in Europe. I don't know if people know this. For could, uh, all-time, I think he's still tied for the all-time scoring league. What? Right? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, uh, see you. Yeah, I think it's, it was oh, Richard Roby yes. and Corey Higgins, right? Tied at 2001 point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought you were talking about in Europe. And I was like, no. Um, <laughs> it's Harvey Ross bonus probably. But um, yeah, Corey Higgins... He's won two EuroLeague championships with Shushka Moscow, and then he moved on to Barcelona. He could very easily be in the NBA right now, I'm sure, but he's getting paid to live in Barcelona, which is what you should be doing. It's probably the best non-NBA team in the world, right? Um, they're, I think they're taking – once Luka Doncic left Real Madrid, Barcelona became the best, especially once they added Nikola Mirotic from the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, did they really? Yeah. That guy's this good. Is, yeah, he's really good. He's averaging like 25 points a game. Um, anyway. Anyway, okay. Go back to the you very exciting Colorado Buffalo. Corey Higgins. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> this is Tabarrel's 10th year. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's discussed this. So is he. He The tournament needs to happen this year. Like, yeah. it, this team needs to go to the tournament. If it does not, then real questions need to be asked. If this team doesn't make the tournament, there has to be, like, God forbid, injuries. Like, there has to be a legit excuse why. You can't just lose games with a healthy team this year. Um, you, can't be no. dropping, you can't be dropping a home game to San Diego. Well, like, I don't know. Tad Boyle, for a long time, has, has succeeded above CU's expectations and the, the talent he recruited expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is not true this year if he doesn't make the tournament. This team has the talent to make an NCAA tournament. It is that talented. It's deep. Everyone's good. So it, it need, I think it will happen this year, but it needs to happen this year also. Absolutely does. After what, a three-year drought now? Four-year drought? Um, 2015, so... Yeah, longer. 2015. 20, 2016? No, Did 15. Was yeah. 15. Josh Scott's. Yeah, and Josh we, lost to, we lost to UConn. Yep. Um, Abrita, shout out. Who shout out? Amita Brima. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Akizili, shout out. <laughs> Starting NCAA tournament point guard Xavier Tolton shout out. Um, Lazar Nikolic is playing in Italy, by the way. I don't know if anybody cares. God, he would have been great on this team, actually. Exactly. Yes. Okay. He would have been great on this team. Uh, 
Long story short, this team has the talent and the depth and the schedule, frankly, oh my God, to remember, make the NCAA tournament. Remember Kazan Guzunat? Kenan Guzunic, yeah. Kenan <laughs> Guzunic? Yeah. I do. Okay, okay, let's ignore him. He was one of the worst players I've ever seen play. Yeah, he is the opposite <laughs> of this team. Yes. Kenan Guzunic is the opposite of this team. That should be our selling point. Is that your? Is that the headline for the preview? Is Kenan Guzunic is the opposite of this team? Yes, actually. It's it's a niche enough to fit. This the roster is nice. The the schedule is nice. And the uh the the experience is there for them to make a run. Which a lot of team people are betting out even outside of Boulder. <coughs> I believe that the Athletic Cat is what, fourteenth, sixteenth in the country? Um Seth Davis had us eighteenth. Uh, I don't know and, if you're talking about because he's who, the athletic. He, the, the Blue Ribbon Basketball Guide had us 14th, I believe. Athlon Sports had us in the Sweet 16, I believe. Jeez. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, that's exciting. Somewhere CU has never gone, or at least in the post-World War II era. <laughs> um, yeah, so lots of expectations. This is a legitimately good team. We need to see... First of all, Deshaun Schwartz become like, yeah, he is an X Factor. He should become like a legitimate scorer. I think he will. He's very focused. He, I mean, you saw him. He looks yeah. way different. Way yeah. different. He is bulked up. And he's just like, he just looks more confident. Like he just mm-hmm. knows he can score because he can. And he's always been able to. He's yeah, just, his, he goes straight into his shot after he catches it. He knows exactly what he wants to do. He's always been so crafty getting to the rim. And now think, with his added bulk, he's going to be able to push the people around. I think Ted Boyle called him the most improved player from last he's year. He's always great. Yeah. Um, we need Shane Gatling to hit shots. Because if he doesn't, he's not. there's no well, use for him. I, see, that's the thing is. That's what I was thinking. He's like, do yeah. we? Because Maddox Daniel could take those minutes, and he could probably hit, hit shots. I, know? yeah. I, so my thing with Maddox Daniels, I want to see him play. I don't. He has a smooth stroke, though. He has a smooth stroke. Does it go in though? That's what we need to see. <laughs> I mean, Shane Gavling shot what forty five percent in the JUCO ranks, and then his first year up here, he did a thirty two percent rank. Um. Yeah, that that said, he he takes really high difficulty shots, and then he did beat UCLA when he got hot. Um, yeah, I mean, twice actually. I think he beat UCLA. Oh, Evan Batty put up twenty one points against UCLA. I just saw that uh, oh, against USC. Sorry. Um. So yeah, I think like those are like the swing players. Those Schwartz and Gatling are swing players for me, because I think that. Like, if Gatling, like, is a consistent three-point shooter, like, if he's better than he was last year, then that's, like, a good fifth starter. Right. I mean, and the fact that we can say good fifth starter is just proof of how much talent's on this team. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am worried, I guess, about <clears throat> the streakiness of the shooting. Yeah. I'm worried that, once again, I mean, McKinley's running the offense. He has for the past two years. And he's really good at it, but uh, we still don't have – I don't think there's a natural backup point guard to him. Would you agree? I agree. That worries me because what happens when he takes his five minutes of rest or whatever he takes a, week, a year? 
Um, I mean, I think that, so this is my dream. I've thought about the bench unit a lot lately. Okay. <laughs> um, so my dream is that McKinley Wright plays 35 minutes a game, stays healthy and focused. And when he's off, CU has a lead and they just strangle people. And they just say, fuck it, we're not going to run an offense. We're just going to put Dalen Koontz at point, run the offense through Batty, and then just like run in transition and try to score that way, but otherwise just clamp down on defense. Hmm. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, there's offensive firepower up and down. There's just you're relying on someone like Koontz or someone like um, what? Gatling would be the other backup point guard? So in this scenario, this dream, weird dream I have, I want Koontz on the floor. I want Schwartz on the floor. Bay and Batty. And then I don't really care if it's Daniels or Gatling. Or like if you go super big and put like Seaworth on the floor. I just want a lot of length, a lot of athleticism on the floor. And then I want whoever's running point to just toss it up to Batty and just let him do something. Right. Well, he, the nice thing about him is he can run it through the high post and the low post, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> so and then if you have it with the high post with like Batty and Koontz and Schwartz, like all like moving around and cutting, that could be fun. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, the thing is, <laughs> who's I've been I've read the uh, I've read some articles coming out from <clears throat> David Cameron and some of the other publications that cover CU. Koontz is a natural slasher, natural driver, right? Mm-hmm. So is Parquet, natural slasher. Yeah, I'm not really counting Parquet that much because we but, need to see him. So, step but up. who else is going to the rim other than McKinley and, and Koontz? Um, maybe, but he's also on the starting lineup. Is there anyone well, else on the bench? No, I'm not. Towards? If McKinley Wright isn't playing, I need starters out there. Like you need like at least two starters out there. Okay, well let's let's talk through some of the rotation. First five minutes go well. All five starters playing. Who are the first two out? First three out. Uh, well, if Dallas Walton's starting, he's first one out. Right. Otherwise, you have to. I don't want to do this exercise. This is too too much. Because like okay. like if if Batty is starting, then you take him out early so that you can put him in soon so that he can play with the backups because they need someone to run the offense. Right. Or they need more playmaking. But for me, if I'm taking out McKinley Wright, I need Batty on the floor for sure. I need Koontz yeah. on the floor. And then I'm going to take one of Bay or Schwartz, if not all of them. So if I have like Bay, Batty, and Koontz, whatever, then I'll just take like Seaworth. I, I don't think Tad Gatling. doesn't like that. I would bet Tad takes Bay, Schwartz, and Batty, or Bay, Schwartz, and Ken out at the same time. Mm. Um, maybe so okay. let's, let's wrap up this discussion real yeah. quick by just going this through the schedule <clears throat> this schedule is very fun um, with a lot of pretty good home games let's just go through some of the non-conference because we obviously know who we're going to play in conference um, but it's, it opens up like you said with the scrimmage against Pomona Fitzer right? Pomona Pfizer Fitzer Panoma Pitzer yeah uh, small school in <laughs> California D2 
Um, and then in, in weird Pac-12 fashion, uh, they have a non-conference game against Arizona State in China. So no home court advantage there. It's on uh, November 8th. It's November 8th on Friday at night. At 8.30, yep. And I'm sure that will be completely buttoned up given that the NBA just did whatever they did uh, talking about China. I'm going to run some tomfoolery China pieces. You please should. Um, until until Xi Jinping calls for your head. Oh, we, Yeah, yes. I know. Here's a thought exercise. How much money do you think China would need to offer me to rat you out? How, how much do you think I would do it for? Uh, $33. Hmm. That is Michael Lewis's number, right? Michael Lewis no. worth 32. 32. 31, my bad. 31. Okay, so whatever. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, they added a late ad of UC Irvine coming to Boulder, which is a great ad. They are a very fun team that's also really good. Yeah, they went to the tournament <laughs> last year, won over 30 games. I think they beat Kansas State in the tournament. I think they playing or they beat Oregon in the tournament too. You see Irvine. Um, I don't. And think their coach, I believe, is Russell Turner, who got in trouble because he called uh, Lewis King on Oregon's team Lewis Queen. Okay. Which is correct. That is correct. What I just said. <laughs> um, yeah, they're good. They lost their best player, Max Hazard. He transferred to Arizona. Oh, really? Okay, I think that's so. too bad. But they're still yeah. a pretty good program. Um, very good ad. Another great RPI schedule. Uh, CU fell into the Wyoming trap again, so somehow we're playing them. They're at least it's in Vegas this time. Yep. At least, thank God it's not in Laramie. Yep. Uh, the big one, obviously, CU travels to Lawrence, Kansas, to play the number three team in the country, um, who, no matter what, that will boost CU's RPI, which is fun. Yeah, um, we're both going to go, I believe. I believe. We both believe that's what we're both going to go. Um, also, you missed a Las Vegas tournament. They're going to be playing uh, TCU or Clemson, so TCU. I believe that's depending on the, the results of the Wyoming game, right? Um, I think they're playing either one. Yeah. Well, anyways, that's another good RPI game yeah. against the Power yeah. 6 um, team. Yeah, TCU is really good. Jamie and then Fisher. later on later on in the schedule, you get Dayton, who should make the tournament this year. They still have Obi Topin, who destroyed CU in the NIT. Yeah, so they're going to be really good. Uh, also, and then, what, and you missed two other great games, yeah. Northern Iowa, Ben Jacobson, great program, NCAA tournament program. They've been bad the last few years. Don't. And Iona, uh, Tim Clewis, another great coach, who, that made the, they made the NCAA tournament last year. Prairie View A&M also made the NCAA tournament last year. Look at Tab Oil go. Yep. So, <sighs> let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games against people who either made the NCAA tournament last year or should this year. And that's non-con. And that's just non-conference. It's a great schedule. And, I mean, see, I would bet, I would think CU is favored in most of those games. I think everything except at Kansas, they'll be favored. <clears throat> I don't know about Arizona State and China either. Yeah, Arizona State, that's a complete toss-up. They're a good, deep team. It's going to be weird. I don't know if they're going to travel better than CU. 
Um, but as football winds down and basketball winds up, we're going to start talking a little more basketball, which means our podcast name will finally make sense. <clears throat> um, looking forward to that moment. Yeah, we spent way too long on this, on basketball today. We should have done our own preview podcast. We go but... where our hearts go, Sam. We have to follow <laughs> our hearts. Oh, boy. Okay. I... All right. Okay, I'm done. I'm uh- Okay, before you leave, let's do one more. Let's do a real quick score prediction against Pomona Pfizer. (laughs) I'm going to say CU 70, Pomona, Panoma, whatever, 50. Okay, CU 84, Panoma uh, 39. (laughs) Wow, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going with the Tad Boyle does not take his foot off the pedal. Well, I'm Jack. He's Sam. This has been At The Buzzer. Okay. Sorry for the hour 45 or whatever it was. No, it's just an hour. Oh, okay. All right. Bye.